0: And welcome to another episode of Careering, where we interview fearless females about what makes them tick, both in business and in life. I'm your host, Lori Halter, and I can't wait to have you here today's episode. Let's jump right in. Hey, Careering listeners, I am so excited to introduce you to an amazing woman today. Her name is Christina Joy Whitaker, and not only is she a TEDx speaker, but she's also an award-winning in-demand leadership and executive development consultant and coach, as well as the founder of Pivot Brand Group, which is a leadership development firm that's specifically committed to equipping women and professionals of color to lead and thrive in their career and business. Welcome, Christina. Thank you so much, Lori. I'm incredibly excited to be here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, I have to tell you, I am so excited about this interview. I came across your work I was in, um, I'm in the automotive space and we, I was part of this clubhouse that's called Inspiring Women in Automotive. And one of the women, Sue Lynn, we were talking about imposter syndrome and she said, yes, there's imposter syndrome, but have you heard of the murky middle? And I was like, no, tell me <laughs> about the murky middle, which for the listeners, Christina actually coined and we'll, we're definitely going to get into it. But um, as soon as she explained what it was, I was like, oh my gosh, it just felt like someone had hit me in the gut because I was like, oh my gosh, this is what is happening to me right now. Yes. Yes. So tell me, tell me a bit about the murky middle and how it differs from imposter syndrome. Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. So what I realized is I work with tons of women professionals on a regular basis and I myself have dealt with it in a A lot of my clients have dealt with what we know as the imposter syndrome. And for those of you who don't know, the imposter syndrome is basically the sensation or feeling as if you're fraudulent in nature. So basically, at any time, at any point in your work or in your life, you're going to be found out for not knowing as much as you're perceiving to know or not being the person who you're projecting to be. However, I feel like a lot of the the women I was working with had gotten to a certain stage where... They had kind of rid themselves of of the uh, self-sabotaging thoughts um, associated with the imposter syndrome where they knew they had value. They knew they had worth. They knew um, that they had skills to offer wherever they were, but they still weren't feeling content. There was still something amiss in what they were feeling. And it was just so consistent. And so I was like, you know what? I think this is something different because a lot of times people are so quick to diagnose um, you with having the imposter syndrome, but they don't actually listen to what you're de- dealing with. Yeah. And so a lot of the clients that I was working with and the lot a, a lot of the professionals that I interface with on a regular basis, they know that, you know, that they are awesome and that they have so much to give to corporate environments, but that doesn't mean that you are content in everything that you do. That doesn't mean that you feel like you're at this final stage and you're being authentic and being the full true version of who you see yourself becoming. Right. And so that inherently to me really marks what the murky middle is. It's that period of discovery and that, that feeling that, you know what? I know I have something to offer, but I know I'm not exactly in the right place. So then you have a decision to make about what you're doing going forward. Well, and I love this because this is exactly right. Like we talk about, I hear about imposter syndrome. Everyone always talks about imposter syndrome. And I always, with specifically with imposter syndrome, was like, ah, that's not quite right. Because I actually feel so much confidence in what I'm saying and doing. And I I believe that I'm worthy to be in this room, but there was still this like growing restlessness underneath the surface. And I think it's exactly, that's why when this murky middle, I I was introduced to this concept. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the missing piece. Yeah. So what would you say for women that are maybe like, listening to this going, ooh, am I in the murky middle? I mean, you did a great job in your last answer, but is there anything specifically that you say, if you're feeling this over this, you're feeling the murky middle instead of the imposter syndrome? Yeah. Um, I think there are a couple of really key identifiers that come with feeling this particular syndrome. One, I think it first of all, it's based in, you have to start from a framework of knowing that you do have that value and that you do have a skill set that is worth um, demanding a premium for and, and worth taking full ownership of. But I think a lot of times it's really marked by almost a nagging you might have yeah. visions of seeing yourself operate in different capacities that you can't really explain. So for instance, let's say you have had a lot of career success as an analyst or something in the, that's super analytical, but for okay. some reason you see yourself speaking on a stage or like you have this longing to do it and you're not exactly yeah. sure why. And so it's almost like it's, you're not seeing the manifestation of what you know you can be and the role yes. that Currently in but you know it's still there and and it's probably something that continues to repeat over and over and over again um where people might compliment you on your ability to do things that basically it's outside of your function and so it's it's trying to put a pinpoint on okay why like let me actually pay attention to this feeling and not dismiss it as just um going on a whim and actually give some credibility and some validation to discovering what might be at the root of this. Yes. And I love that. I love that. Like, as soon as you can kind of put a name to something, Mm -hmm. I think it means so much to women specifically because so often we're just told, well, that's just how it is. Or that's, you know, and, or we think ourselves like, I must be the only one feeling this way. And I think exactly. when you're able to say no, here is what it is, here's what you feel like, and here's what you can do about it, there's just such a sense of relief. Um, yes, yeah. So let's talk about that. I, I know in your TEDx talk, and if if my listeners have not gone to see it yet, please stop, like stop this podcast right now and go listen to it, and then come back. But um, you talk about um, when you're dealing with imposter syndrome, your mm-hmm. success resides in confidence. But yeah. When you're dealing with the murky middle, your success resides in authenticity or clarity of purpose. So yeah. I, just, I love this idea. Can you kind of explain a little more about what you mean when you said this and how our listeners can kind of uh, make this work for them? Yeah, definitely. I think um, more times than not, when you hear about some, that somebody dealing with imposter syndrome, typically the serum is, is confidence, right? They're like, right. oh, well, no, pay attention. Like you actually have this Great impact in in the workplace, which is all true, right? Yes. But then there's a layer deeper that after you have that confidence, it's like actually, let me let me do some more work. Let me get a little bit deeper in my mindset and my reflection and how I see my, myself to figure out: am I truly, am I truly using all the skills that ultimately bring me the most joy? Yeah, and I think rarely do we actually stop to reflect on. Am I doing something that I... That I feel is going to be sustainable and really um, taps into something beneath the superficial, right? And so, yes. a lot of us have gotten a lot of success in our careers because we have become competent in our paths, but we're not necessarily purposeful in our paths. If if you if you can understand that there's much of a difference between um, developing a mastery in terms of skill level and versus versus mastering yourself and what's yes. actually going to bring you that joy. And well, so, and I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm just no, like no, so loving this discussion. I, but I said, you know, one of my big things oh, through this podcast and the women I work with and the work I do is finding mm-hmm. that inner fire and that passion. And I think this is what you're talking about, right? Like, yeah. it's not enough to just master your craft. We can all do that. And honestly, the women listening have are probably in a place where they've already done that. What we're talking mm-hmm. about here is just this kind of deeper fire that's brewing right in you. Right. No, that's, that's absolutely true. And something I always um, make note of is that, you know what you, you, everyone has tried a lot of things that they do really well, but sometimes there are things that we do even better that we haven't tried yet right and a lot of times it's cuz we haven't given that time to iterate and that time to really discover and that doesn't necessarily need to come with a huge shift in terms of like hopping to a new job or like moving cities or changing industries sometimes yes. it really does um just take naming it and putting some attention to it and seeing what opportunities come as a result. And then following that path of development, following that path of discovery. I know, for instance, even me getting into this particular line of work, I spent t- over 10 years in corporate America and I had risen fairly quickly. I was in some of the most exclusive boardrooms in the country from working with the Walt Disney Company to Deloitte to um, being in the government, even in pharmaceuticals. Yeah. But it was only when I actually paid attention that... I was like, you know what, I'm really competent in what I do. I can, I can spit facts out within a second. Right. But it wasn't really bringing me that joy. And so when I decided to make decisions in terms of my advancement based off of just pursuing curiosity and figuring out why I had this feeling to like help women and to, to coach and motivate That's when the the opportunities started really presenting themselves. And I was able to recognize them as opportunities because I was putting thought and attention to it. Whereas a lot of times we're going to dismiss it or dismiss or diminish it as just a fleeting thought. You have to give it its proper credibility. Yes. I love this. And I mean, just listening to that intuition, I'm learning even still today, it, it's so hard. There's so much fear surrounding this, um, this whole concept, but I love the other really big theme of your TEDx talk was you said the ca- catalyst to all of this is hope. And yes. so let's talk a little bit about, I, you know, I'm totally down with everything you're saying. I love it all. I love <laughs> change. I love transformation, but you're really saying look, the the beginning of all of this is hope. Yes. And so hope for what? What are we talking about here when we're talking about hope? Yeah. So honestly, hope to me really translates to there is a possibility of a solution that you could be your happiest self. That yeah. you could really, and I don't actually like the word happy. I will say your most fulfilled self. Okay, I like I that. I to say, um, I distinctly remember having a conversation with a coworker and she had worked about 25 years in the same, in similar positions, had risen up in the ranks. And I was asking her, you know, what's what else is left for you to do? You know, what's your next move? What are you looking forward to doing? And she's like, you know what? I've just accepted the fact that this is it. Like this is just like, yeah, you don't get everything you want. So this is it. And it, it really marked me Lori, because I just, in the pit of my stomach, I felt, I felt that resignation in her. I felt that defeat in her. And when I looked around, so many people felt the same way as her. And what I realized was that resigning to the fact that your life is just okay or just mediocre is the most malignant cancer that you could possibly have. It spreads so quickly. It doesn't just reside in one area. It spreads everywhere, right? And so what I realized was she really had lost all hope, essentially. She did not have hope that anything could get better than the world that she had crafted for herself. And it just... It was a gut punch for me, but also a realization that, you know what, you have to lead with the with the belief. That something better can happen. Yeah. And that you can experience everything that you truly desire. Those desires are there for a reason. They aren't just happenstance, right? Not everyone has the same desires. Right. So you have to really think why do you have them? Why are they relevant to you? What have you done and developed in order to like even bring them about? Because to me, it's a beacon of where you need to go in the future. And so without being intentional with having a hope mindset and having a hope leadership style, it's very easy to succumb to just what is versus what can be. Yes, and I lo- I'm just getting goosebumps like as you're talking, this is so core to my belief as like a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a you know business yeah. professional. Why do you think women specifically are so afraid to break out of this mindset? What is it yeah. that keeps us from really... Like you said, you talk about, um, you know, that let's start celebrating the idea of disruption for growth. And I I just love that concept because, and and I think this happens more with women than men. You you can really touch on this, but Mm -hmm. we're just so afraid to break out of that box. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's definitely fear, but you know, I think as women, we are taught to be grateful. Yes. And small in some ways. Right. Right. And so it's kind of like, you know what? I have all of this. I should be grateful for what I have because other people might have less than me. So this should be fine. Right. But what I want to push back on the notion is that you can be both be grateful and want more. Right. Like it doesn't have to just be one or the other. Yeah. You could be very content with what you have but still desire to um, see the the fullest version of yourself in in every aspect and so i think a lot of times it's ingrained in us like nothing like that for every little thing we should just be thankful that we we have it or we we're thankful that we they even picked us for the job we're thankful that we're even in a room to make a decision we're thankful that we even have a job and it's like no that's the bare minimum Absolutely right. not, right? Like, <laughs> I would love that. Ladies, let's start, let's start thinking that as a bare minimum. I love this concept. And I know you primarily work with women and, and very, even more specifically, women of color. Do you find that this is, are there differences? I know there's differences in women than men with this idea. Cause I feel like men just generally don't feel like they need to have the amount of gratitude we do. Like they, like you're saying, they already assume this is the bare minimum so they can go from there. But yeah. what would you find even between like, if you can speak to women and women of color, is there even a difference in that dynamic? Yeah. So I think everything um, women face, it's just amplified by 10 when it comes to women of color. Yeah. And I'll say that way, hey, I mean, not you're, you're fighting so many power structures. So you're already fighting that dichotomy of um, the, the, the power structure between men and women in the workplace. Yeah. But when you're adding very physical or very visual, um, aesthetic features as it regards to your race, that means that not only a lot of times are you battling, um, powers that be, which typically are white men at times, um, you can be on the other side of having to, um, really go toe to toe sometimes with white women um, as in regards to like commanding that respect. And so honestly, I think a lot of women of color when it comes down to the day are fatigued. That fight is very burdensome to have to um, circumvent that every single day. It doesn't mean it's not possible. It doesn't mean that people aren't incredibly successful in doing it, but there is a different level of fatigue that comes with it and a trade-off in, in, um, in basically how you show up. Yes. And so I would say a lot of times, um, I know I talked about like just being thankful to be in the room. That's definitely the case when it comes to the narrative with women of color, especially since um, a lot of women of color might be in the first, second, third generation of um, what a successful person looks like in, in work in workplaces. And so there's also this pressure almost not to rock the boat, right? Like you right. want to be that that pillar of success and uh, inspire future generations in your family to achieve the same thing. And so a lot of times, Sometimes there's some hesitancy to do anything that might jeopardize your stance in that. And so it just comes with a whole nother layer um, that you have to really sort mm-hmm. through. But I would encourage women, especially women of color to understand that we, we have so much power and there's so much. Um, I, I want us to take up our space in terms of understanding that you are owed ownership in terms yes. of how you how you navigate in workplaces, how you navigate in business, how you show up as as a professional, as an executive, wherever you are, you are owed the right to be able to craft that path however it however it looks you're able to disrupt you're able to innovate and it's okay if it's it looks messy if it messes up I think there's so much pressure for it for every step to be perfect yeah a lot of times we mitigate our risk right and so understanding that with a lot of risk does come reward but knowing that the the stake of taking risk is not the same as someone who might be from a majority segment but understanding that there is a worth in doing that anyway Well, and I love, I love everything you're saying and and specifically about you have the right to take up space. I think this is just such, it's so hard. Like I said, I can only speak from the women's side of it. But um, it's so hard just as a woman. So I can't even imagine as a woman of color, how hard yeah. tracking that path is, but it has to be done. Like there needs to be women like you yes. out there talking about this and there needs to be other women who hopefully are listening to this podcast there to support them because this is a huge step that needs to be done. No, absolutely. And, and I think, um, you know, um, especially in, in all the work that you've done with women that taking up space is both. Um, mentally as well as physically like just I think a lot of women of color and women in general are taught to diminish in some way and to even in terms of your pattern of walking like moving out of the way for someone or yes you know making yourself small in a room and it's it's so much unlearning that needs to happen and sometimes it just takes practice of saying like you know what Two people are walking down this hallway, and I'm not going to be the one to move out of the way this time. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like those little experiments. As you, you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I think you're so right. And I and it something like that. that. Right. Right. And I I do love this idea of like um pushing back. And it's it is so difficult because I think you and I are both in the same place of I find myself having to push back a lot against um, ensuring that uh, like I tend to make sure other people are happier before I cover my needs and it's I'm actually trying really hard now not to do that and it is extremely difficult (laughs) yeah it's hard to get out of that pattern I think like anything it's um to to make um, to make it consistent, it just takes, it takes consistency, right? right. So as we are consistent in, in really unlearning that and, and taking up um, what is rightfully yours, right, what rightfully belongs to you, with that comes a lot more confidence and your ability to do it on a regular basis. And it's it's just about sticking with it and understanding that you really are entitled to it. Something that I find a lot of times is after women are in positions, it's almost as if they're proving they they feel the need to prove why they got that role. Yeah. When in my when when I coach my clients, when I talk to um the people in executives positions, I really try to dispel that narrative where I'm like, listen, you got it. It is yours. It's time to set your sights on what yeah. is next. Exactly. Um, in my right. opinion. I'll need to go back and prove what is already yours. You already own that space. Yes. And I think the other part of this that you're talking about is being authentically who you are versus being the person that everyone's expecting you to be. So, like, I exactly. for myself, the moment in my career and my path, actually, this last year and a half has been really explosive. And it's after I started the Careering Podcast and I get to speak to all of these amazing women like you who inspire me. Mm-hmm. But I really finally just said, you know, I want more. I'm okay with disrupting and changing. I'm okay with being uncomfortable. And I know it's going to be, I know it's going to be tough. And, you know, it has been, but I will say the rewards far outweigh any hardship that it's taken me to get here. No, absolutely. And I think that's, that's kind of what you have to hold on to. And you are putting more weight on not even the reward, just the fact that, you know what, you're doing something for you and that should matter more than Thing, right. Exactly. Um, now, I'm not I'm not denying the fact that there aren't real risks to it. There aren't real con- and I'm not denying the fact that there aren't sometimes consequences to that. I think that would be really naive. But the fact that you pay attention to your development, know that in the end you will win out. However, it looks you prioritizing um, your value and and not ta- not allowing someone to treat you as anything less than is going to always be more beneficial in the long run than, than seeding your power and seeding what you really have to offer. Okay. I cannot have said it better myself. I've gotten goosebumps so many times during this interview, (laughs) Christina, thank you so much for joining us today and talking to us about the murky metal. You have inspired me so greatly through this interview and I'm sure our listeners feel the same way listen, Lori, thank you so much for everything you're doing. I mean, this is amazing. I love the fact that you're using this platform to inspire and motivate people. So I appreciate the invitation and I just think you're wonderful. Well, same to you. I've loved having you on the show. Thank you so much.